To make peace and move forward, Palestine must be obliterated. Zionists talk about peace. What they're actually talking about is the absence of Palestinians. The first step to peace is obliteration. Replace Palestine with the word Jews and what do you have? IOF shooting naked. Killing Palestinians is not an act which would trigger the same kind of embarrassment. New York State registered charities that are sending at least $60 million a year to Israeli settlement organizations to continue the history of expulsion and dispossession of Palestinians. Laundering money to commit war crimes. Holy Land 5. Not a shred of evidence. People doing charity work who are now in jail, and then the people who are literally funding and supporting terrorism are getting tax write-offs. Ensure that the state of New York is not subsidizing war crimes. War crimes are what you need after you go to the shooting range naked. Hello and welcome to episode 95 of the Palestine Pod, the weekly podcast where we break down the latest headlines dealing with Palestine from all over the world and bring you stories, commentary, and interviews with the aim of supporting the Palestinian struggle for decolonization, justice, and equal rights. I'm one of your hosts, Lara E. You might know me from Instagram as at Girl, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mikey B. What's up, y'all? Mikey B on TikTok, Michael Scherzer on Instagram. And you can call me Mikey Intifada if you're upset about people mocking Nazis, but not your own people acting like them. Before we get into today's episode, please like, comment, subscribe if you hang out with us on YouTube. If you're listening on a podcast app, subscribe and leave a review. As always, you can find our full episodes and sources on palestinepod.com. And if you want to get involved in the conversation, reach out to us at palestinepod at gmail.com and give us a follow on Instagram at the palestinepod. Find us also on Patreon, where you get early access to the Palestine Pod episodes and additional podcasts per week. It's called the Patreon Pod. It's a little more laid back. We talk politics, Palestine, pop culture, and get a little more personal. We're also hosting our monthly Zoom happy hours with our Patreon subscribers only. So really exciting stuff. Check us out on patreon.com slash palestinepod. Did you see there was a story that came out maybe last week about a couple of the IOF officers going shooting naked at the range no there's footage video footage of these guys shooting at the shooting range with like automatic weapons and they are completely naked where was this published i believe on pornhub no it was (laughs) a video (laughs) It was a video that circulated through like Instagram and on YouTube and stuff. But it just goes to show you how their relationship with like weapons and sexual violence, right? Like they have a long history of using sexual violence rape as a tactic to depopulate towns get people to leave and it's like they also do the thing where they try and attract people to marry their iof soldiers the like pretty women that they have on instagram doing these mashups of them shooting and twerking and it's like they're trying to draw outside investment from Americans who will come and marry these people and then spend the rest of their life savings inside of the occupation. This was actually even reported by the Times of Israel, one of the leading yeah. colonial newspapers, which wrote, 
Soldiers jailed for naked firing range practice. Two nude troops and officer who filmed them sent to military prison for 21 days after footage exposed online. Which also goes to show that the occupation is willing to jail its soldiers because of this embarrassing snafu, which was made public. But if they had killed a Palestinian which they probably have, a hero's welcome. They would walk into a celebration. Their mother would give them a, a loving embrace. What would, I mean, what's, what are we talking about here? While they're naked. Yeah, <laughs> right? Like, what? what is this weird world where the fact that they engaged in this naked firing range practice is is embarrassing to them? And it's like, no, no, we can't let people think that we do this. We are going to be tough and we're going to put them for 21 days in military prison. Do you know how bad the occupation must have seen this to to actually take steps to put its own officers in military jail for 21 days, which in and of itself was probably just like, you know you're in this weird apartment for 21 days. Like what, what even is that for that? I mean, you don't get to shoot naked for 21 days. Right. What is military jail for officers of the occupation? I can't imagine that it's more than a slight inconvenience in any event. It's actually more shooting range stuff. Surprisingly. <laughs> right. Like it's like, Oh, you have to just practice this whole time. You just have to practice yeah. this whole time, but you got to wear clothes. Right. It's It's interesting. It does show that the occupation values PR more than Palestinian life, right? They're like, oh, you embarrassed us. You're going to jail, but you massacred an entire village. You are actually now a colonel in this occupation army. Right. the The higher ups, the higher ups said that the only thing wrong with the video of them shooting naked was that they were not shooting at Palestinians. Killing Palestinians is not an act which would trigger in them the same kind of embarrassment as this, right? That would bring not honor. at all. That would bring honor and prestige and rank, and and maybe um, you know the outside world shouldn't know about the gory details, so we'll just deal with these matters internally, right? But but between us, you're a hero. We might we we might have to, you know lightly verbally distance ourselves from you and the international stage, which sometimes they do from their own soldiers. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, but sometimes they do when they realize that, Oh, you know, the U S might have like a moderate word or a word that's like slightly more firm than usual. But in this case, the military spokesperson who was interviewed about this incident said that it was quote serious. Yeah, they're not embarrassed when they kill Palestinians. In fact, that's how they build community, right? There was an article that came out where somebody said that they murder Palestinians because it creates goodwill among the population. Like the settlers were all fighting each other because they were like, oh, you know, we want democracy or whatever. And then some of them were like, no, we like fascism. And so now they're like, They're all coming together to sing Kumbaya over the flames of Gaza, right? They're like, we, the Zionists know that every time they drop bombs on Gaza, they create a sentiment of goodwill and brotherhood among this sick settler class. The spokesperson literally went on to say, the investigation revealed that the soldiers and the officer acted contrary to what was expected 
of, quote, IDF soldiers and officers, and they seriously harmed military culture, end quote. Seriously harmed military culture. What is this military culture that you speak of? What does it consist of? What are its values? What does it do? They send out a lot of demolition orders, but they're wearing clothes when they do it. Hey, man, I saw a ridiculous video when I logged on. I think Palestine posted and Palestine Lobby posted, some other accounts posted, of these Zionist soldiers showing up to a house, Palestinian house. They're like, yeah, we're going to be blowing up the house next door. Mm. They're like... Yeah. You got to move this lady. And then the camera turns and it's on the the oldest Palestinian grandmother who you've ever seen in a literal hospital bed in her house. Like it's a bed that like has like functionality that you can move. It's clearly like a medical device. And she's like shriveled up on her side with her blanket up above her. And she can barely understand what's going on. Barely is even conscious of this interaction and this guy's like yeah you got to move her you got to go somewhere else and they're like where do you want us to go this is her house did you see this yeah it was almost like if not so sinister it would have been comical it seems like the type of thing that we would like write as a sketch to show like how absurd the situation is but there was literally like a bedridden elderly woman and then just like thugs standing over her being like, you got to move her. Move her. Like, what is this? A scene in The Godfather? What are you talking about? Move her where? But like move right. her where though? This is her house. Yeah. So like, we're taking out the wall. We're taking out the entire. And, and, and her family member who's there, who's talking with these soldiers is like, oh, really? You're going to just, oh, you're blowing up just the whole, the whole thing? You're going to blow up just the whole building? Just the whole thing? He's like repeating the absurdity back to them. And they're like, yeah, yeah the whole thing. We're, we're, you see this? You got, we're, we're blowing up the whole thing. Yeah. They talk about demolitions like a construction project breaking new ground. They're like, yep, you got to get everything out the way. It's all coming down. We're going to put a whole new thing in. They're just so comfortable with destruction. It's all they know. It's like you would think that it was opposite day. And they were like, we're building you a new house. You know, you would think the way they're delivering the news that, you know, they're, they're expecting welcome to be thanked to be invited in oh great oh yeah sure you're just gonna blow up this whole oh perfect great we were hoping somebody yeah that sounds we thought we were gonna we were thinking we should blow this whole building up right right who cares i saw my grandma lying there i was like she's dealing with multiple sclerosis you know what would spice things up little explosion that's zionist logic for you and you know it never fails to impress me that when malcolm x commented on zionism he chose the name zionist logic for his commentary because at the end of the day all of this goes back to the logic of zionism the illogic of zionism there is no logic right and that's exactly what his commentary points out there's no logic anywhere in any ideology for Zionism. And there's no justification for it. Anytime you see Zionism materialize 
in an interaction, which is which is what that is. That's Zionism being implemented, being 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 ex- executed, being played out in front of you. That interaction is just Zionism happening. Because why does she have to go? Why does that building where she lives, where she's lived for God knows how many years, have to be destroyed? Because she yeah. Also, let's take it to the damn logical conclusion. Right. They managed to get her out. The Zionists destroy the building. Right. Where does this bedridden woman now go? Like the street is not a super comfortable place for a woman bedridden. This woman is medically vulnerable. Zionists are like, "Ah, let's make her homeless. She will go to wherever she can. A family member's home who has not yet been marked for demolition. Right. She'll go to any other Palestinian house of a family member or somebody, you know, close to her until that person is then served with a colonial demolition order told, you know, until it's their turn to have the soldiers show up to their house and say, we're now demolishing this house and everybody who's in it has got to go somewhere else. Yeah. I hear Amsterdam likes wheels. Right. So it's just... You just keep moving until you die or they demolish the house that you're in. That's so there's only two options here. A Canadian lone wolf soldier is like, I don't care where she goes, but send her to Jordan or something. Right. So that video was really interesting because it shows not only the, the logic and illogic of Zionism, just the comfort of the soldier saying the words that he's saying. He's so comfortable with you know, just the matter of factness of, yeah, this is coming down. We're here to just, this is whole thing. We're blowing it all up. And, you know, you would think he was talking about something so mundane, but he's talking about somebody's house, which he has no ownership of. He's talking about a piece of real property that he does not own, has no authority over and is invading in that moment. And he's talking about it as if he has all the authority in the world, as if the people who are there are not people at all because he's delivering to them the news that them and their grandmother are going to have to go live in the street without the the slightest inkling of, of understanding human understanding of what the repercussions are going to be for this family or the consequences of it. It's really very profound when you think about the way that they deal with us the way that they approach us, the way they communicate with us, the way that they occupy us. They're very okay with daily destruction of our lives. It is, no, this is just how it works. This is just how we just, we're here, we're destroying, we're demolishing houses. This is just what we do. And what you do is you just go somewhere else. Did you see that there was a law proposed by New York socialist legislators that would prohibit charitable organizations in New York from funding the occupation's illegal settlements and and they pick a fight with powerful pro-Israel organizations that try to destroy progressive candidates. Yes. Hear about this? I did. I did. And, And this one actually was reported by some of the major outlets. In a sensible world, the principles set out in, quote, not on our dime, a New York State Assembly bill introduced by Socialist Assembly member Zoran Kwame Mamdani and co-sponsored by fellow Socialist Assembly members Sarahana Shrestha 
Para Souffrant Forest and Marcella Mittanes would likely not be offensive and would barely need justification, but the legislation prohibits nonprofit organizations from supporting the illegal activities of Israeli settlements in occupied territories. Now, obviously, this language is terrible. This is not our language. This is the language of the article. Forced expulsion of Palestinians from the area and the destruction or expropriation of Palestinian homes and lands. We don't want our hard-earned money to kill anyone or wreck their homes should be a statement of the obvious, particularly in a state as progressive as New York. But the bill's introduction was met with immediate denunciation by establishment Democrats. There are a number of New York state registered charities that are sending at least $60 million a year to Israeli settlement organizations, which then use that funding to continue the history of expulsion and dispossession of Palestinians in the occupied territories that has been going on for decades. And this activity is clearly in violation of the Geneva Conventions. Absolutely. This legislation, which seeks to prevent fundraising for literal war crimes, severe violations of international law, is also sponsored by the Center for Constitutional Rights, the U.S. Campaign for Palestinian Rights, and Jewish Voice for Peace, amongst many of the other organizations that are supporting the bill. So basically, what this bill is trying to do is ensure that the state of New York is not subsidizing war crimes. Sorry, starting over. War crimes? Yeah. <laughs> You know, when you go to a place and you get that's a war creams are what you need after you go to the shooting range naked. <laughs> what this bill is seeking to do is ensuring that the state of New York is not subsidizing war crimes should be completely non-controversial because I think all reasonable people can agree that we should not be funding war crimes. Well, 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 isn't there room for debate on war crimes? There isn't, though, because we've actually all agreed what war crimes are. That isn't there a both sides to war crimes? The New York nonprofits targeted by the bill include the Central Fund for Israel, right? Which sounds like it's doing exactly what it does. The largest U.S.-based nonprofit engaged in funneling money to help settlers violently displace Palestinians. Nonprofit organizations, even when they don't get money directly from the government, and many do, are important for the state to regulate because donations to them are tax deductible, which means they are heavily subsidized by the government, therefore by all of us, despite the misleading term non-governmental organizations. And let's keep in mind, the actual United States government already sends $3.8 billion for the materials to commit war crimes. And so this is like extra money that's being tacked on to the U.S. taxpayer dollar at the behest of private charities. Like these people are laundering money to commit war crimes, essentially, and then getting a tax rebate for how many people they helped kill. They're declaring a lot of dependence. In 2015, Haaretz revealed that at least 50 organizations across the U.S. were involved in fundraising for Israeli settlements. Haaretz found that even some of the money went to providing legal aid to Jews accused or convicted of terrorism and supporting their families through a legal aid society. Amongst those who benefited from the group's support in 2013, were the family of Ami Popper, who murdered seven Palestinians in 1990, and members of the Beit Ain movement, which attempted to 
to detonate a bomb at a girls' school in East Jerusalem in 2002. Israeli feminism! Mamdani was quoted as saying that these organizations masquerade as charities while funding illegal activities. This is reminding me of all the accusations against the Holy Land Five. Not a shred of evidence. That's so. That's such a good point where there were people doing charity work who are now in jail, and then the people who are literally funding and supporting terrorism are getting tax write-offs. Are at a gala, are literally at a the Friends of IDF gala, making tax-deductible yeah. donations, eating steak and shrimp, and the Holy Land Five, not a shred of evidence against them. All of their work was globally to benefit humanity, and they are now sitting in prison. Hard to believe in karma these days. Henry Kissinger just turned 100, so... I can't believe you know. he's still alive. I Every time you tell me that Kissinger's still alive, I don't believe you. I saw him posted today, and I was like, surely it's happened. But instead, it was his 100th birthday. One of his children wrote an article about like the dad turning 100 and the legacy, and somehow doesn't like manages not to mention him getting rid of people's limbs in Cambodia. Wow. I wish I was joking. Yeah. It's also like Dick Cheney is still alive. <laughs> that man is on his like ninth heart or something. And that was just his breakfast today. <laughs> I have a follow-up actually on the story about the Chelsea Westminster Hospital that took down a display of decorative oh, plates. Yeah, yeah. yeah please designed by children in Gaza after quote Jewish complaints. And this comes from Liam O'Hare on Twitter, May 26th. It's a great read. A hospital spokesperson at the time said, quote, patients found the artwork offensive, but no patients were quoted, even anonymously. The only quotes are from UK Lawyers for Israel, a pro-Israel lobbying group, which has been accused of using lawfare to silence Palestinian voices. O'Hare says, I decided to put in a freedom of information request to the hospital involved to ask for a copy of any complaints made by patients about the artwork. That was about three months ago. I've yet to receive a reply, despite the statutory response time being 20 days. However, despite the lack of an official reply, I have had it confirmed to me by a source at Chelsea West Hospital that they received zero complaints from patients about the artwork. The only complaint came from UKLFI. So it appears that Chelsea West Hospital removed art designed by children in occupied Gaza, not due to patient complaints as initially reported, but at the behest of powerful political lobbying group who, according to their own website, support Israel using their legal skills, quote. In isolation, this may not seem that important or even that surprising, but what does it tell us about the way lobbyists operate when they are so successful in not only getting displays removed, but also spinning the story as, quote, patient complaints? And what does this tell us about the current environment in the UK regarding speaking about Palestine when art by children is not safe from being attacked and hastily removed by NHS hospitals due to such political pressure? It's time for a proper, sensible discussion about this. And let's not forget that the UKLFI bragged about getting children's artwork taken away. 
they bragged about it and then they had to walk back their statements where they were like, I mean, actually, we're not like super happy, but it's just, you know, another day's work. They said they were delighted. Remember, they were. Yeah. Initially, they said they were delighted. And then people were like, you guys are sick as fuck. And then they were like, well, actually, we didn't mean delighted. What we meant was, uh, fuck, we published a draft. (laughs) Because that's that's when they say the quiet part out loud, the consequences of it, of us going about our life and implementing Zionism are not actually great for humanity. So we have to walk it back. U.S., it's an anti-Semitism comprehensive act that they're trying to shoehorn through. Kamala Harris tweeted about it today. Today, our administration rolled out the first ever U.S. national strategy to counter anti-Semitism, which includes over 100 new actions to combat rising anti-Semitism. POTUS and I are committed to fighting hatred in every form. And I just tweeted, stop sending money to Nazis. That would be a good place to start combating anti-Semitism. No, you know what would be a good place is a new 100-point plan. How many of those 100 points have to do with defending apartheid? Literally all of them. Like, really? The first the first point, you can't say Palestine. Okay, I've got the fact sheet up. It's called, yeah, me too. It's a 60-page document. It's called The U.S. National Strategy to Counter Anti-Semitism, published in May 2023. And I'm just going to do a fun little exercise here where i just control find the word israel and see how many times it comes up in the document let's see how it comes up the document states in its description of anti-semitic events it says that jewish students and educators are targeted for derision and exclusion on college campuses often because of their real or perceived views about the state of Israel. Who runs an entire website dedicated to outing people who do activism? Is it us or them? Right. We don't run the canary mission. Exactly. And those people are in activism and are being targeted and excluded, oftentimes losing their livelihood because of their real or perceived views about Palestine. As we confront anti-Semitism, we do so with a profound respect for our democratic traditions, including free expression and speech protected by the First Amendment. We do we also do so with an unshakable commitment to the state of Israel's right to exist, its legitimacy and its security. In addition, we recognize and celebrate the deep historical, religious, cultural, and other ties many American Jews and other Americans have to Israel. Wow. So anybody can have a connection to Israel, whether or not you're Jewish. They say it here, right? And other Americans. Yeah. Yes. But who are those other Americans? And what's their connection to that land? And the deep that- and historical ties to that land, having been born in Tallahassee. And is there connection more than that Palestinian grandmother who's been there her whole life, whose grandparents have been there their whole lives? In this document, setting out the White House's plan to combat anti-Semitism, that they go into this explanation of how important the state of Israel which has been established on top of Palestine since 1948, is to American Jews and other Americans. 
should this land not first and foremost be important to the people who have lived on it historically? Well, you ever? see, that lady who is bedridden, she has to make room for children who don't want to feel ostracized at college. Yeah, but also, like, the question is, like, ostracized for what? Because here's the other thing that that that, that this plan is not is not willing to see. When you support an ideology, and that ideology has disastrous consequences for humanity, we should be allowed to engage in a discussion about whether or not that ideology is helpful, positive, or needed. Yeah. Also, I don't know if you saw, there was an article that was published called Moving Forward on Palestine in the Times of Israel. I saw. How could I not see? It was a call for Jeff. Yeah. Jeffrey Camrus literally said that Palestine must be obliterated. It is an affront to society, morality, humanity. It represents lies, oppression, and terror, nothing more. That is an article that was published in the Times of Israel to the public. That means that like multiple people had to read it and be like, this is a good idea, press publish. And it's not even the first time that they've advocated open genocide in a public forum, in the media. In 2014, there was a Vox article that said, here is the full text of the deleted Times of Israel post backing genocide in Gaza. The article was called, When Genocide is Permissible. And it, there's a quote, what other way then is there to deal with an enemy of this nature other than obliterate them completely? Gordon asks, the writer of the article, and later arguing that Hamas will never accept peace and that Israel is justified in doing anything necessary to impose it. If political leaders and military experts determine that the only way to achieve its goal of sustaining quiet is through genocide, is it then permissible to achieve those responsible goals? Isn't it wild that they are like, yo, this guy may be dressed up as a Nazi while doing a performance, but also when is genocide permissible? Isn't that a strange place to vacillate between? They're like, yo, these German Jews who are anti-Zionist are anti-Semitic. Also, when can I obliterate Palestine? Times of Israel blog, moving forward on Palestine. When I read that, I, I, I actually was like, I can't, I mean, I can't believe what I'm reading, really, because this is an open call for genocide. What's interesting is the article was, was removed, right? There was outcry, the article was removed, but then nothing else happened. There's no statement from government officials. You would think that the U.S., which gives Israel $4 billion every year, might have to, you know, if there was any semblance of Palestinians being treated equally in the public discourse, the country which gives all the money and all the support for Israel might have something to say about this. Oh, we don't support open calls for genocide. Oh, Oh, no, we don't agree with that. They didn't even feel that they needed to say that because that's how little they feel accountable to the world over what's happening to Palestine and Palestinians. That when open calls for genocide are made in one of the most mainstream newspapers, we're not talking about some fringy thing that nobody reads. We're talking about the Times of Israel, one of the most mainstream 
newspapers in that society representing that society. Nobody had to say anything about it. Even the Times of Israel said nothing about it. They just took the blog down. They didn't come out with this full apology saying, no, we don't support genocide. This is terrible. We don't support the killing of Palestinians. It just made a little too much noise. So they took it down and they realized they didn't have to do anything else because that's how quickly PR moves when you support Zionism, right? You can you can go from Zionist snafu to Zionist snafu. It's fine because everybody forgets and forgives. But if you're a Palestinian, you don't get that kind of treatment, right? You can call open, you can, you can make a call for open genocide and two minutes later be back in action and getting all this great PR towards Zionism, your ideology, and nobody will ever question it. Nobody will question, does this state have a right to exist when the people who compose the state make open calls for genocide in its favor? The opening statement says, in order to right a wrong, in order to make peace and move forward, Palestine must be obliterated. Make peace. This is interesting because it shows you that when Zionists talk about peace, what they're actually talking about is the absence of Palestinians. So they'll say, we want peace. We want peace. And they'll mean it. But what they really mean is we don't want there to be any Palestinians because that's what peace to them is. It's the absence of the people who were on the land, the absence of the native people on the land. That will give them peace. Why? Because they're the ones who are imposing themselves on the land who don't belong there. And the only way for them to have peace is for us to be gone. Hence why Zionism and genocide are so linked. Zionism will lead to genocide because if there's no other way for it to be implemented in a way that does not lead to genocide of Palestinians. Yeah, everybody knows the first step to peace is obliteration. The US government officials heard open calls for genocide and they said both sides should de-escalate the violence. He also wrote this guy, Jeffrey Cameras, nobody cares about the Palestinians. Care for them solely exists in the form of anti-Israel advocacy, not pro-Palestinian support. That's right. A movement that's existed longer than the project doesn't exist. And only exists for the purpose of being antithetical to the project when we predate the project. It makes sense when you don't think about it. Like if you have Wi-Fi, it's so embarrassing to be a Zionist. Now they're like, the only way forward is to bring them back to the Stone Age. And we don't even have to exaggerate the quote because the quote literally says, in order to right a wrong, in order to make peace and move forward, Palestine must be obliterated. Now replace Palestine with the word Jews and what do you have? And you know, like, we're like, please care. Like, that's all we're like, we're saying, please somebody care about the open calls for genocide in the most mainstream newspaper of the society of the people who are occupying us the people with all the weapons right that show up at our houses and do night raids and and kidnap our children they are openly calling for genocide and you're giving them all this money and all we're saying is hey please care and don't gaslight us and tell us this isn't happening it doesn't feel like a huge ask not a huge ask it's like a very minimal ask seems pretty easy honestly they recognize that this was not a good move. Hence why they deleted sure. it. Because if, yeah. right, like if it was totally fine, it would have stayed up. No, it was removed. Oh, right. oopsies. We can't say the quiet part out loud. We At least not in English. We can think this. We can print this in Hebrew, right? They can chant it through the streets of their flag march. Exactly. But if it's in English, international press might pick up you know, and we might get a couple of phone calls, a couple of headaches, 
things we'd rather not deal with. So let's not say it out loud in English. You know what's wild is almost no media outlets covered it. Basically, I didn't see a single Western article about the open call for genocide. Nothing. There was nothing. Meanwhile, they're like, Ukrainian soldier stubbed his toe. We must send backup. On Thursday, May 25th, the occupation raided Jericho, wounded 13 Palestinian youth, and detained dozens of young Palestinians. Eyewitnesses told the Wafat News Agency that the occupation stormed the camp from several directions, deployed on the rooftops of the houses in the camp, raided more than 50 Palestinian homes, including the homes of the governor of Jericho and the Jordan Valley, Jihad Abu al-Asal and his sons. They also surrounded the house of another citizen and fired missiles at him. The sources added that the occupation fired bullets and toxic gas bombs at Palestinian youths as well as the houses, resulting in the injuries of dozens of young men with live bullets in the lower body parts. Just another day at work in an occupation. That's like the daily news of occupation, right? Some days they drop a missile. The guy who fired the missile, naked. He's in occupation jail now, military jail. No, no, he's not in any jail because Palestinians actually died. So he was rewarded, I believe. Rewarded and then told to yeah. on a rope, right? Like next time. Yeah, they, they gave him a larger missile and a tighter rope. <laughs> There's an update to the story about Tantura. Okay. In light of a UK study, which was published earlier this week, which resulted in the identification of mass grave sites that were used by the Zionist gangs during the massacre of Tantura. Researchers analyzed cartographic data and aerial photos to identify three possible locations of mass grave sites in the former Palestinian fishing village of Tantura. Those grave sites are located beneath a present-day beach resort. Can you imagine? Is there anything less of a vibe at a beach resort than being on a mass grave site? Like, is there anything that will ruin your vibe more? I I mean, it's just not... For Zionists, it's actually an attraction. I want to say that you are wrong, but I know that you're not. Palestinian survivors... And historians have long claimed that men living in Tentura were executed after and their bodies dumped in a mass grave believed to be located under an area that is now a car park for Door Beach. In recent years, a growing body of evidence for the Tentura massacre has generated significant controversy. This is being considered the most comprehensive research yet into this massacre. If you're interested in learning more, The Guardian did a great expose on how they exactly went about collecting this data, they they relied on 3D modeling to determine the likely sites of executions and mass graves, archival and eyewitness testimonies. They cross-referenced everything with aerial photos from the British Mandate era. It's very detailed. It's very thorough. And it's just one of those instances where you're like, we know because we've been saying it for years. And now there's all this data to prove the thing that we've been saying. So maybe we should be allowed to narrate our own story. Maybe we should be allowed to speak about our own oppression. Because when we do, it's just proven right, like in this instance. All of the studies that came out showing that, oh, it must have been the Israeli soldier that killed Shreen Abu Akhla. Again, Palestinians were like, yeah, we know we've been saying this. We were there. We saw her. We saw it happen. The same thing when they, they killed Razan Najjar. 
at the Great March of Return. And the New York Times did this whole study into how, where the bullet came from and how it was definitely an Israeli sniper. And Palestinians were like, we know we were there. We saw it. We, we saw what happened. We've been saying it. And now there's all this data to prove it. This is the same thing. But now this is going to corroborate and to confirm a massacre that took place during the Nakba in 1948. And so Palestinians have been consistently narrating our experience being dispossessed, expelled, and subject to occupation and apartheid. And we've been doing it across decades. And when scientific methods are applied to those incidents, it's just confirming what we've already said. We are constantly being challenged about our lived experience. You know, Mohammed al-Kurd came out and said when Palestinians are interviewed in the mainstream media, they are not there to be dealt with in a conversation. They're not they're not asked questions, they're interrogated. He's like, I was literally talking about the experience of my family being expelled and I was subject to an interrogation about Hamas. We are going to follow the forensic architecture investigation. They've announced that the Tantura project is the first in a series of visual investigations that the organization is conducting into reported massacres related to the Nakba. Nobody is saying in this entire conversation that maybe these examples that we have should serve to reinforce this idea that Palestinians are able and worthy and capable of narrating their own story and that we shouldn't discount them because that's how we have typically been dealt with. But in fact, when you go to test what we're saying, it's true. Just like this latest incident has shown us. Yeah, and it's not even just Palestinians who can't speak the truth. Kenneth Roth, the former head of Human Rights Watch, had tweeted recently, after five decades of Israeli occupation and three decades of the now moribund peace process, the two-state solution is dead. Western officials who still invoke it are trying desperately to avoid coming to terms with the one-state reality of apartheid. This tweet was then deleted by Twitter, <laughs> and he had to challenge it. Twitter is required by German law to provide notice to users who are reported by people from Germany via the Network Enforcement Act reporting flow. They received a complaint about the following content. It was that tweet. Report of the content have found that it is not subject to removal under Twitter's rules or German law. So again, basically, they're playing whack-a-mole with information that is counter to their narrative because they know they can't stop it. They just want to slow the information to the public. But hey, once the New York Times gets on board, that's when I believe it. Once the New York Times has a graph of an Israeli sniper, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's probably how it was done. Yeah, let's not believe the people who got sniped. Let's not watch the video. Yeah, or that. <laughs> Don't believe your own eyes, they said. Folks, that has been another episode of the Palestine Pod. Thank you all so much for listening. Check out our full episodes and sources, www.palestinepod.com. Follow us on Instagram at thepalestinepod. Send us an email at palestinepod at gmail.com. And look for us on Patreon, www.patreon.com slash palestinepod. That's been another episode of the pod. Thank you all so much for listening. Have a great day.